Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast. It is time for Power Rankings, your Monday look back at the week that was ranking all teams 30 through 1. We've got an interesting situation. We've got the Astros Climbing up the top 10, we have the Dodgers maybe clinging on to a number three spot in the top 10. We've got some interesting movement there. We have some teams that are climbing up. Really good weeks this week from teams like the Blue Jays, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Orioles. So some good teams playing good baseball and a couple of teams, Mariners and Rangers, I'm looking at you, that stumbled this week. That hurts them not just in the power rankings, but maybe more importantly, their outlook on the playoffs. The Rangers are right now on the outside looking in. The Mariners only have a half game lead for that third wild card spot. So we're going to get into all of that. I want to remind you, if you haven't yet, please turn those automatic downloads on. So as soon as the content is available, it is right there for you. Okay, let's get started in at number 30, it's the Kansas City Royals, 44-100. and 100. The first team to lose 100 games this year. I bet you thought it would have been Oakland. No, the Kansas City Royals would not be undone. They went out and got swept by the Toronto Blue Jays. They played them tough, but they were swept by Toronto, taking them to their 100th loss. They're in at number 30. In at number 29, it's the Oakland Athletics, 44-99. and 99. They just missed it. They had a 2-4 week. They won a game against Texas on Friday, and that spoiled their chances of at least getting to that 100-loss mark on the same day as Kansas City. Zach Geloff is something interesting to watch. I, I encourage you guys to check out his game. 10 for 29 this week. He's hitting the ball hard. He's finding the sweet spot. I really like Zach Geloff. He is right now, as far as I'm concerned, the bright spot of this Oakland team. Colorado Rockies are in at 28, 51 and 91. They just got one win this week. That's kind of what they've been doing now. It feels like for the last two or three weeks, one win at a time. And I don't like it. One win a week. I don't like it. There's really nothing to even talk about. We're moving on. In at 27, it's the Chicago White Sox. A two and four week. Bad teams having bad weeks is where we're at so far. They were in at 27 last week, 27 this week. Is there a Dylan Cease problem going on here? It's been a month since his last good start, and he gave up 
three home runs to the Royals his last time out on Tuesday. His ERA is just a hair under five. It's at 4.98. Velocity on the fastball is down a little bit more than a mile an hour. It's 96.8 last year. It's at 95.6 this year. The slider isn't moving as much. There isn't as much movement. Four inches last year, 2.6 this year. So it's getting hit. His hard hit rate last year was in the top 7% of the league at 31.2%. This year, it's at 42.2%. I know I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, and you're trying to follow along. You're listening. You can't see it. But basically, what's happened is Dylan Cease isn't as good as he was last year. And the question is, is that where he's going to go moving forward? Are we going to see that fastball velocity down at 95 and not push to 97? And that slider doesn't move as much, and therefore, he's getting hit harder? And this is who he's going to be. He's not going to be an ace. White Sox have a lot of problems. Dylan Cease is one of them. Next up, it's the St. Louis Cardinals holding at the number 26 spot. They had a good week. They took two out of three in Atlanta, which I think shocked everybody. And then they took two out of three in Cincinnati. So good things for the Cardinals this week. They're at 63 and 80 now. Nolan Gorman, three home runs. He's up to 27. Wilson Contreras with three home runs. His OPS is climbing. He's now up to 809 which is right at that career average at 8.08. So Wilson Contreras, it's been an interesting track to get here, but we're now getting to a point where we're kind of seeing a regular, normal, expected Wilson Contreras season. Good job by the Cardinals this week, showing some fight. Next up, it's the Washington Nationals. They are falling back from 23 to 25. It was a two and three week. They split a two game set against the Mets and then they dropped two out of three to the Dodgers. The Nats over the last week, the fifth highest ERA at 6-3-2. Patrick Corbin, Mackenzie Gore, they contributed to that. Also, so did Trevor Williams. Josiah Gray has been struggling. He didn't pitch last week. They're trying to ease up on his usage. He last pitched on September 3rd and won't pitch again until this Thursday. So the Nats at this point feels like they know they've got something good. You know, maybe easing up on Gore as well soon here. Easing up on Gray. Don't wreck it. Come on back strong next year. There's some good pieces in that lineup. So, We'll see how the Nats continue to track, but not a great week. They had been showing some life. Now, again, there's weird things going on with the ownership, the Strasburg thing. There was going to be a, a a career appreciation, uh, uh, an event that was canceled, but then that wasn't a thing. Uh, Rizzo can't get a, a contract extension. Just weird things happening in Washington off the field. I'm not saying it's bleeding onto the field, but just the Nats this week, Not a good week for the franchise all around. Let's move on to the number 24 spot. The Angels, they get to move up one spot thanks to the Nats falling back. The Angels going three and four this week, getting swept by the Orioles to start the week, but then they bounced back and took three out of four against Cleveland. Randall Gritchick is still here despite all attempts to get him off the team, and he's their hottest hitter right now. Had a walk-off knock on Thursday Good stuff from Randall Gritchick. Luis Renjifo has been placed on the IL with a biceps tendon rupture. So his season is over. He had been one of the hottest hitters on the team. But the big news for the Angels this week is the Mike Trout trade news that that's ownership, that front office would be open to a Mike Trout trade if he requested it. This is the first time that we've ever been in this area, down this road, and I, for one, am rooting for it. This Angels team, this ownership, Artie Moreno, does not deserve Mike Trout anymore. 
time to get him out of there. Let's move on to the number 23 spot. Moving up from 24, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are 66 and 77, a three and three week. They got two out of three from Milwaukee, which was solid. They dropped two out of three in Atlanta, which was expected. Mitch Keller roughed up on Friday, eight runs allowed. I've been talking about how I'd love for his ERA to finish below four so that when we look back on his career years down the road, we're trying to analyze how good a pitcher he was. We want to have as many seasons below an ERA of four as possible. He's at four, two, three now. It's going to take some work to get that below four. I hope he can do it. Brian Reynolds is swinging a hot bat, an 11-game hitting streak for him. He's nine for 23 over the last week. A 798 OPS on the year, which is disappointing because the last, the, the two seasons previous, we had a 912, we had an 806, and now we're at a 798. It's trending in the wrong direction. This from a guy who just got his contract extension is is got to be one of the leaders on that team, and we're seeing things going in the wrong direction, but maybe not. Again, maybe this week is a good sign. Maybe what he's been doing over the last 11 games is a good sign that he's going to finish strong and build on that in 2024. Because 2024 has to be a better year for Brian Reynolds. The Pirates are starting to show signs of life. And for them to get over that hump, Reynolds has to be crushing it. Reynolds needs to get back to that 900 OPS guy. In at number 22, it's the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers went 3-3 this week. They dropped two out of three to the Yankees. They took two out of three from the White Sox. Good pitching this week from the Tigers. Solid effort from Erod against the Yankees to salvage the series early in the week. Reese Olsen and Tariq Skubal were great Friday and Saturday. Olsen took a no-no into the seventh. Skubal struck out nine over five and dominated. Now, Olsen took the loss, but he got no run support. And that's part of the problem here. Really, though, the bad news for Detroit is that Matt Manning took a ball off his foot and has a fractured foot. Season is done. We will hope that Matt Manning can be back next year because this Detroit team with Scooble and Olsen, plus Manning, the return of Mize, the return of, of, of Turnbull, could be an interesting team. And maybe maybe they can work out a way to get Erod back. I, Detroit, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping Matt Manning, this is just a little, little, little thing that he'll deal with. He'll get better, be back uh, for spring training. Should be, I would expect. But bad news, Matt Manning going down with a fractured foot. Um, let's move on to the number 21 spot. It's the New York Mets in at 65 and 77 now after a two and three week. Ronnie Mauricio has hits in six of his first eight games, three multi-hit games, three stolen bases, no home runs yet, but he's got the power. Speaking of home runs, three from Brandon Nimmo this week. Up to 23 on this season. His previous career high was 17. And two more from Pete Alonzo, who's up to 43. Pete has the two most prolific home run seasons in franchise history. He passed Beltron with these two home runs, number 42 and number 43. And they're going to maybe trade him this offseason? Don't do it, Mets. Mets front office. Billy Epler, don't do it. Let's move on. Number 20, it's the San Diego Padres, 67 and 77, a two and four week. Dropped two out of three to the Phillies, dropped two out of three to Houston. Tough schedule. Kind of expect those kind of results. I think a two and four is at this point kind of what you expect. You got to take it at this point. Uh, Jerkson Profar is back in San Diego. He'd been released by the Rockies. San Diego picked him up. Most importantly, Blake Snell pitched to a win in Houston over the weekend. Six innings, 
Two runs on five hits and three walks, eight strikeouts. He's now 13 and nine with a 2.52 ERA and 209 strikeouts. That's second most behind Strider. Do you like Blake Snell as your NL Cy Young candidate? There are a lot in the mix for this. You've got Steele, you've got Wheeler, you've got Strider. There's a lot of options for the National League Cy Young. I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two. Do you like? Do you like Blake Snell? He's not going to finish with more wins than Steele, most likely. He's not going to finish with more strikeouts than Strider. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, this week, Fernando Tatis Jr., just 2 for 20. His OPS is down to 776. He's a career 904 OPS, and that's with the 776 factored in. I'm going to hope for a bounce back from Tatis next year. Moving on to number 19, it's the Cleveland Guardians. It was a bad week for Cleveland. This was a make-or-break week. After winning the waiver deadline, they went out and lost the week. A 2-5 and five week. They got destroyed on Monday against the Twins. 20 runs allowed. That was Lucas Giolito's debut, by the way. Lucas Giolito, two starts this week, two losses against... Against Minnesota on Monday, three innings, seven hits, nine runs. And then at LA on Saturday, it was better, but still a loss. And, and amazing, right? The baseball gods will just will just play with you sometimes. Lucas Giolito has his debut in a make-or-break series with his new team. And then his second game is in LA against the team he was with for a month. It's, fa- it's fantastic. Uh, took a loss both times. Cleveland is now seven and a half back in the Central. So it's over. There are some good things here building, though. Bybee, Allen, Williams all pitched well this week. Give you hope moving into 2024. You get McKenzie back. You get Bieber back. If you don't trade Bieber in the offseason, there's a nice rotation building here in Cleveland. They've got to improve the offense, though. We did get news that Terry Francona confirming he's going to retire this year. It will be the end of what is certainly a Hall of Fame career. We, uh, we, we pass along our best wishes to Terry Francona. Let's move on to number 18. It's the Yankees. Yankees, 71 and 72, despite it all, still below 500 here on September the 11th. Two and one against Detroit, one and two against Milwaukee for a three and three week. Amazing on Sunday. No hit into the 11th inning, but won the game. A crazy Sunday game. Here's the bad news, though. Jason Dominguez, the torn UCL Boone says it's going to be a nine to 10 month recovery time. Others are saying we'll have closer to six months. I'm going to take somewhere in the middle there. I don't think the Yankees want to rush him back because I know Bryce Harper came back when he did uh, a quick return. Jason Dominguez, I don't know if we'll see that. I don't know if the Yankees will hurry him back. They're thinking about the next 15 years with Jason Dominguez here, and I don't think you want to mess around with that. Also, Stanton's got a DH. Jason Dominguez, if he comes back in six months, he's probably still not going to be throwing. So where's you going to park Jason Dominguez at DH and have Stanton in left field? I don't think so. So for that reason, I think that Dominguez will be on the longer side. Maybe not the nine to 10 months. Maybe it's eight months, seven to eight. But I do think it's going to be a lengthy absence here. He'd been great. So this really is a disappointment. Speaking, speaking of disappointments, how about Carlos Rodon again? Three and two thirds, eight hits, seven runs against the Tigers, a Tigers team that does not score a lot of runs. Carlos Rodon just continues to disappoint. Garrett Cole is not disappointing. Two great starts 
this week. He's now 13-4 and four on the year with a 2.79 ERA. Is he your Cy Young favorite in the American League? You got Gosman and Castillo are the other two. And I think if you want to make a case for Pablo Lopez or Logan Gilbert, I think their ERAs are too high. So I think it comes down to Cole, Gosman, and Castillo. And in my opinion, I mean, we're just mentioning Castillo and Gosman to, to give them recognition. It, it, it feels like it's Garrett Cole's Cy Young at this point. Let's move on to number 17. And this is our first team that's really dropping back. A lot of these teams have been staying right where they were last week. The Pirates moved up one. The Tigers held. The Mets held. The Padres held. The Guardians held. The Yankees held. Here are the Red Sox falling back, going from the number 13 spot to the number 17 spot after a two and four week. They're now 73 and 70, still holding on to that you know, remaining above 500 ledger. Dropped two out of three to Tampa, dropped two out of three to Baltimore. They're falling back for two reasons. Yes, the, the, the losing week, but also all of the teams that were behind them, the Giants, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, all put up solid weeks, and for that, with how tight it was in this spot, deserved to be ahead of Boston. So Boston falls back four spots. Paxton's done for the year with knee issues. Good job by James Paxton coming back this year. 7-5, a 4.5 ERA, 101 strikeouts in 96 innings. He's heading into his age 35 season. He's heading into free agency. Hopefully, this knee's not going to be a thing. Maybe he set himself up to land somewhere, get a decent contract for the 2024 season. Um, most importantly here, I think really what we're really watching at this point is, is Tristan Cassis. Two more home runs, now 24 on the season. He's got an 859 OPS, a WRC plus of 129. Orioles fans that thought that this was Gunnar Henderson's AL Rookie of the Year to win, not so fast. They now have the same number of home runs, Gunner and Cassis, both with 24. And the OPS is in Cassis's favor. 859 for Tristan Cassis, 810 for Gunner Henderson. The WRC Plus is in Tristan Cassis's favor. 129 to 120 for Gunner Henderson. So that's something to watch for the Red Sox the rest of the way. Tristan Cassis's close as he might be able to swoop in and take that AL Rookie of the Year from Gunner Henderson. Next up, in at 16, it's the Giants, 73-70 and 70 on the season. A terrible start to the week, swept by the Cubs, but bounced back and swept the Rockies. So all in all, a 3-3 three and three week. They are one and a half back in the wild card spot. Yaz is hot. You like that. Hanniger, who missed a ton of time this year, back last week, but seemed to get his stride this week. Four for 10 with two doubles and two home runs over the weekend. That's a good sign. Logan Webb got run support on Saturday. That's a good sign. The Giants scored nine. That is the most runs scored in a Logan Webb start this year. We have the Giants in at 16. Logan Webb. Here's a, one, one other element here on Logan Webb. He's now 10 and 12 with a 3-4-0 ERA. Let me throw out some pitchers that have a considerable number of wins above Logan Webb, but a higher ERA. Spencer Strider has 16 wins. Tywan Walker has 15. Kyle Gibson has 14. Chris Bassett has 14. Zach Eflin has 14. Logan Gilbert has 13. All with higher ERAs than Logan Webb, but more wins. Giants, get this man some runs. Moving on to number 15, it's the Cincinnati Reds. They hold at 15. A three and three week, took two out of three from Seattle, got one of three against the Cardinals. On Sunday, 
Votto and India both returned, both homered. It was like they called in for the reinforcements coming off of IL. Were those two? It helped salvage the series because they were looking at getting swept. Can't at this point. They're one and a half back in the wild card. They have to win games against the opponents that they're supposed to beat. And the Cardinals at this point, that's a team the Reds are supposed to beat. The fact that they were looking at getting swept was bad news. Hunter Green pitched well in his return from the COVID IL on Sunday, but every other starter this week struggled, and they're going right now without Graham Ashcraft, who's on the IL, and is probably going to miss a few more turns with a stress fracture in his big toe. Also on the injury front, Matt McClain. It looks like he's going to miss two to three more weeks, according to skipper David Bell. That'd be a huge lift to get him back, but when we're talking two to three weeks, we're talking closer to the end of the year. Noel B. Marte was hit in the face with a ball playing catch with Ellie De La Cruz and has a broken nose. Now, luckily, Ellie De La Cruz was not firing a rocket at him, sort of more of a toss, but it hit him just right. Still, it still hurts to get hit in the face with a baseball. And Noel B. Marte broke his nose and he's not on the IL. It's really going to be about pain tolerance for when he returns to the lineup. Let's move on to number 14. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, 75 and 69. Great week. For Arizona, took two out of three from Colorado, took three out of four in Chicago against the Cubs. They now hold the final wild card spot. They got four in Queens this week. They got three against the Cubs again next weekend. The Diamondbacks, this is what happens. We keep going through this. It's been up and down three weeks ago. They pitched great. They had a great week. Then last week. They had terrible pitching. They got destroyed. This week, here they are back with the lowest team ERA at 2.57. Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallon, even Ryan Nelson pitching in to get the job done. You actually, have, and from a bat perspective, Tommy Pham looking good. Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel, Cattell Marte, all good. Marte, though, is dealing with some left knee soreness after getting hit by a pitch. Doesn't sound like he's going to miss much time. He was available to come off the bench on Sunday, but you need him out there because, again, at this point, when it's tight, all hands on deck, let's go. Arizona Diamondbacks with a great week. The pitching stepped up. That's what's going to carry them. Moving on to the number 13 spot. Moving up one from 14, it's the Marlins. A 4-2 and two week for the Marlins. This was a great week. Took two out of three from the Dodgers and then two out of three from the Phillies in Philly. And this is the same week where they got the news that Soler and Sandy Alcantara hit the IL and might not be back to help them make the playoffs. Can this team make the playoffs without them? Jazz Chisholm stepping up seven for 22 this week with two home runs. Berger hitting near 300 with Miami after hitting closer to 200 with the White Sox and Josh Bell slugging 515 with Miami after 383 with Cleveland. Those have been huge. Can those two, Berger and Bell, and listen, it'd be better if you had Solaire, Berger, and Bell, but this lineup without Berger and Bell, if they had not acquired them, I, I think you'd have to say they're toast. Those two might be able to carry the torch along with Jazz and De La Cruz and the others. But they need Solaire back, in my opinion. Still their biggest threat. Getting great stuff, though, from Berger and Bell. Let's move on to the number 12 team. This is a slide back one 
for the Texas Rangers. 78 and 64. Now they got swept by Houston. They did bounce back and take two out of three from Oakland. So a two and four week altogether. They're half a game behind Seattle for that final wild card spot. But it's still, listen, not, not a good week. All right. And the Houston embarrassment. You had Adolis Garcia go to the IL with a right patella tennis strain. You did get the debut of Evan Carter, and we'll see what he can do. But you have to start locking in and getting things done if you are Texas. You have four big games against the Blue Jays to start the week. We'll see what they can do. Simeon and Seager are crushing the ball right now. They're going to need that, and they're going to need some of that pitching to step up. Let's move on to the number 11 spots. Moving up one, it's the Minnesota Twins going from 12 to 11. 75 and 68 now on the season for the Twins. They got two out of three in Cleveland. Again, putting to bed any talk of Cleveland trying to sneak back into the equation for the AL Central. They took two out of three there, and they took two out of three from the Mets over the weekend. This Twins team, thanks to the 20-run outburst on Monday, scored the third most runs in baseball. Willie Castro, Royce Lewis, Correa, Polanco, Farmer, big-time contributors there. Royce Lewis, have to spotlight him for a minute. Now 11 home runs, an 895 OPS, a 386 batting average with runners in scoring position. He has been great. He is their spark. Really feels like he's the guy. I know there are better players on the team. Correa, you know, Buxton, you want to go down those, go down the road and, you know, assign them as the the better players, the players that have done it longer at a higher level. But Lewis has been great. Pablo Lopez, speaking of great, was great on Sunday. Eight innings, two hits, no runs, 14 strikeouts against the Mets. Now 10-7 and seven on the year. A 1-6-4 ERA over his last seven starts. Good stuff from Lopez on Sunday. Let's move on to the number 10 spot as we cross over into the top 10. Falling back two spots, it's the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies went 3-3 three three this week. They started out strong, took 2-3 out of three in San Diego, but then that Miami train came to town, and they dropped 2-3 out of three to Miami. They're still two games up on the Cubs for the final wildcard spot, but a big series to start the week against the Atlanta Braves. They got a doubleheader on Monday. By the time you're hearing this, maybe that's already played out, but they have four against Atlanta to start the week, and then they've got three in St. Louis you gotten some good stuff over the last week from Kyle Schwarber. Three home runs. He's now up to 43. Trey Turner with two more home runs this week over his last 30 games. A 380 batting average, an 818 sluggy percentage, 14 home runs. Trey Turner has gone back to that Captain America type level play. He's crushing it, but pitching is a problem right now. Nola, another bad start. That's back-to-back bad starts for him and a 5-4-0 ERA over his last seven starts. That's not going to get it done. Michael Lorenzen, outside of that no-hitter, it hasn't really been that great. An ERA near five in Philly. Wheeler was great, though. You're getting good stuff from Sanchez, but can this Philly team make a run? Can this Philly team be that team of destiny again if Nola's getting roughed up and Lorenzen's getting roughed up? I say no. Moving on in at number nine, it's the Toronto Blue Jays. A good week this week, but it, let's be honest, came against the bottom feeders of the league. Oakland, Kansas City, two of the worst teams. The teams that came in at number 30 and 29, they took care of them. They needed to take care of them. And Blue Jay fans will tell you, these games, they had to sweat some of these wins out. I need some blowouts. Blowouts. 
I'm only moving the Blue Jays up one spot despite a five in one week for two reasons. The quality of the opponent being Oakland and Kansas City, but also the fact that they were nail biters in many instances. Toronto's got to, I got to see you blow these teams out at one or two of these games. I can't have close games against Oakland and Kansas City, but in the end, we reward them for a good week, a five and one week. They move up from the 10 spot to the nine spot. Next up, falling back out of the top five, the Seattle Mariners are in at number eight here, a two and five week. Now, it was not a easy schedule. They were in Cincinnati. They lost two of three. They were in Tampa. They lost three of four. So two and six now over their last eight as well. Over this last week, they struck out the third most times over the last week. And Friday through Sunday, four for 26 with runners in scoring position. And these were close games decided by two or three runs. And you're four for 26 with runners in scoring position. Not going to get it done. They have dropped to third in the, the they've dropped to the third wild card spot. Now, what is also going on in Seattle, and it's odd. The comments by George Kirby saying that basically he didn't feel like he should have gone out there for another inning, an inning when he gave up more runs and ultimately Seattle ended up losing that game. To make public comments, essentially throwing your manager under the bus is odd. You've also got Munoz, the closer, dealing with hip tightness. He had pitched three straight games earlier in the week and then started dealing with something. You're getting to a point now where how you manage the innings, how you manage the arms is very important because you want to keep these pitchers in a spot where they are still able to give you their very best. So that may mean six innings instead of seven. Two back-to-back appearances out of the bullpen, not three straight. Are they not managing the arms? And Is George Kirby trying to tell us that he took a ton of heat for the comments? And I am with you all that are out there saying, no, I want my pitcher to want the ball, to want to go out there for another inning. I'm with you on that. But something weird seems to be going on in Seattle with the comments from Kirby, with Munoz dealing with hip tightness. I don't know. I don't know. Weird things happening in Seattle, bad things happening in Seattle as they move back from the five spot to the eight spot and also from the number two wildcard spot to the number three wildcard spot. And oh, by the way, they only have that third wildcard spot by a half a game against the Rangers. Let's move on to the number seven spot, and it is the Cubs. The Cubs are going to fall back from six to seven after a week where... It started fine. It took three out of four from San Francisco, but then it finished terrible, almost being swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, the Diamondbacks have been playing good baseball, so it's not like they were almost swept by the Chicago White Sox. This is a good team, this Arizona team. They're pitching really good over the last week, Arizona is. So the Cubs came up against an Arizona train that they just couldn't stop. And again, almost swept. Kyle Hendricks pitched pitched well on Sunday to salvage the series This Cubs team, though, is going to have to bounce back. They got three games against Colorado to start the week. That's solid. But then they get Arizona again next weekend. And this time it's in Arizona. These are big games for the Chicago Cubs as they're trying to get over on Milwaukee for the division, as they're trying to hold on to, at very least, a wild card spot. 
They got some good news, though. Pete Crow Armstrong is getting called up. He should make his debut on Tuesday. On the field, Seiya Suzuki has been hot. 10 for 23 over his last seven games with three doubles, a homer, seven RBI. He's been great, and it's been more than just the last week. Over the last month, month and a half, an OPS over 1,100 with seven homers and 22 RBI. He has been on fire over the last week. You like that if you're the Cubs. They fall back one spot. A four and three week. It's unusual to drop back one spot, but they are falling because of a team that really deserved, really played great baseball and deserved a spot ahead of them. That is not the next team, though. We You have to wait another spot to get to that team. The next team are the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee going from seven to six. The Brewers three and three this week. They lost two out of three in Pittsburgh. They won two out of three in New York. They should have had a sweep in New York. You took a no-hitter into the 11th inning. It's incredible that the Yankees were able to win that game. Bad news, though. Corbin Burns left the no-hitter on Sunday with a sprained left ankle. That is your landing ankle when you're throwing. I don't like that. That worries me that this could be something that lingers. Think about the impact on that foot, on that ankle, time and time again, 80 to 100 times a game. That is brutal. How's that ankle going to hold up? How severe is the sprain? On a good note, Brandon Woodruff has been the ace of this team since he's returned. We got six starts since he's been back. He was good again this past week. Seven innings, no runs allowed. And in those six starts, in all but one of them, he has allowed two or fewer runs. Like I said, he is the ace right now. Corbin Burns is not. Burns has been far more volatile this year and recently. Woodruff is the ace. What a return. What a boost Brandon Woodruff has given the Brewers. Speaking of boosts, Mark Canna. Now you got good weeks from Canna, Contreras, Adamas coming up big, but Mark Canna highlighting him specifically, 6 for 18 over the last week, now an 833 OPS with the Brewers. That is 110 points higher than it was with the Mets. And he's batting 302 higher significantly than it was with the Mets. Driven in 20 runs. Again, A great boost for the Brewers and that offense. That's what they were looking for, and they got it in Mark Canna at the deadline. Let's move on to that team that resulted in the Cubs falling back a spot despite a good week. Houston. Houston goes from 9-5 to on the strength of a 5-1 week. They completely embarrassed the Texas Rangers. Everyone's looking good offensively after that kind of output. You did get Michael Brantley back. That's great. Kyle Tucker passing the 100 RBI mark. He's up to 103. Probably going to set a new career high. That's 107. So four more RBI and he has tied his career high. Altuve went on the home run binge. Jose Abreu, 13 RBI this past week. So he's up to 77 despite the poor performance. The the not what you expected level of play from Jose Abreu. You got a good week from him this past week. On the mound, good outings from France, Valdez, and Verlander. But Brown and Christian Javier were roughed up, and the 
the the part that sticks out to me is the Christian Javier situation because it's been going on all year. If Javier is roughed up, that means when you head into a playoff series, you got Valdez and Verlander, and I don't think you can trust Christian Javier. You're leaning on France or Brown, and you're going to be getting into a situation where those two pitchers are going to be past their previous career high innings limits. How much farther can they go? France is already there at surpassing his innings limit or his innings max from years before. How listen, it's going to be fine right now. It's going to be fine for the next couple of starts, but if you're in October, you're in the ALCS, you are relying on crucial high stress innings from France is going to be able to give that to you if he's 50 innings past his career high. So that'll be something to watch as they go. But the Astros, again, good week, 5-1 and one week, sweeping Texas, taking 2 out of 3 from San Diego. They have a very light week. They have the Blue Jays special coming up this week. Oakland and Kansas City, if you've been following along, Blue Jays just took... F- Five out of six from Oakland and Casey combined. So that is, I'm calling today, the Blue Jays special. That's what Houston gets next week, Oakland and KC. Let's move on to the number four team. It is going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this is thanks to the poll that was run on YouTube. I let the Rays and the Dodgers go head-to-head, and the YouTube crowd voted Rays Rays in at number three, Dodgers losing that number three spot and going to number four. So let's talk about the Rays for a minute. They're now 88 and 56 after taking two out of three from Boston and three out of four from Seattle. So five and two overall on the week. Glass now was great on Wednesday. Six innings, 14 of the 18 outs he recorded were via the strikeout. Diaz with a walk-off on Saturday. Eflin with his 14th win on Sunday. Can this team make a run with Eflin, Glasnow, and Savali? I keep saying it. It is on my mind. I don't know. This is a great team. The offense has weathered the Wander Franco storm. They just were delivered another hit, though, with Isak Paredes. He was hit on the hand and has a contusion. How's he going to handle that, return from that, Again, the Franco thing hasn't bothered them. The Paredes thing on top of that, then you start to wonder. They've already taken three major hits in that rotation, and they're getting by with Glasnow, Eflin, and Savali. Can they continue that? That'll be something to watch. And again, how this team performs if Paredes is going to miss some significant time. They've got some great bats there. They've got Randy and Yandy. They've got Lau and Lowe. They've got the makings of a Dr. Seuss riddle, and they're getting it done. Can they take it? You get to a point though where eventually the stress is too tight. If Glass now goes down, it's 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 done. If Randy rolls an ankle and is going to miss, like it's done. I don't want those things to happen. But when these key pieces are are being removed from the equation, and you now are at a spot where someone else has to step up, or that unit is not as strong as it was, how much longer can it hold? The Rays are in an interesting spot. The Rays get the number three spots, and I'm going backwards here because we had the Dodgers at four. The Dodgers, three and three this week. They do drop back. We had an interesting situation popping up with Clayton Kershaw as the weekend wound down. He was supposed to start on Monday. They have moved that back to Friday. The manager says it's not related to any of the recent shoulder troubles, 
but you still, I'm sure, are concerned. And if Kershaw goes down, where is this rotation? They need to keep him healthy. The more I think about it, yeah, okay, great. Let Kershaw just... Kershaw makes three more starts the rest of the year. Just keep him tuned up so that he's ready. Because if he goes down, you've already made the announcement that Bueller's not coming back. Arias is done. Lance Lynn's getting roughed up. You're at a spot where you, you if you lose Kershaw, Lynn, Miller, Pepio, it's not going to be enough. I got to have Kershaw, Lynn on a short leash, Pepio ready to rescue, Miller ready to go. I don't think we're going to see Emmett Sheehan for too much longer. He's almost doubled his innings max for his career, almost doubled that number from this year. So the Dodgers are in an interesting spot. They dropped two out of three from Miami. They took two out of three from Washington. So a three and three week, you just kind of wonder how this is going to go. Betts did return on Sunday after missing Friday and Saturday. So that's good news. J.D. Martinez returned on Friday. He had his 26th home run. That's good. Freddie Freeman got his 53rd double. So a sort of milestone there for the Dodgers. A new record for most doubles in a season for Freddie Freeman. You've got Rojas swinging a hot bat. Kike, Chris Taylor playing maybe his best baseball. So good things are happening for the Dodgers, but it's sort of masking a looming disaster with that pitching. So there we go. We had the Dodgers at four, the Rays at three. I know I talked about them in reverse order, but let's keep moving to number two, the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles, a five in one week, sweeping the Angels, taking two out of three from the Red Sox. I guess Kyle Brad, Kyle Bradish is not an ace as far as base major league baseball is concerned, but he's an ace as far as the Orioles are concerned. He's 11 and six on the season with a three zero three ERA. That's pretty good. And over his last seven games, he's five and zero with a two three eight ERA. So he's been pitching like a certified ace over his last seven games. Can he keep it up though? As he starts to reach innings levels, he's never seen before. Can he keep that up? Can him, Kramer, Rodriguez, and Gibson fuel a deep October run? I don't know. Forget Flaherty. I, I don't think that you'll see an inning out of Jack Flaherty in the postseason. And if you do, it's out of necessity. Because I don't think you can trust Jack Flaherty to get through anybody. Maybe if you got the bottom of the lineup coming up and you feel like you can get an inning out of him. I don't, I don't trust Jack Flaherty at all. Gibson, I don't know if I trust him anymore either. His ERA on the year is over five, but over the last seven starts, it's over six and a half. So he's only getting worse. Grayson Rodriguez is at 143 innings this year between the minors and the majors. His previous career high is 103. So we're 40 innings over at this point. You telling me we're going to get through September, we're going to ride Grayson Rodriguez to win this division, and then we're going to ride Grayson Rodriguez to make a World Series run? It's almost irresponsible. I wanted the Orioles to put themselves in a position where Grayson Rodriguez could move to the bullpen for the postseason. They are put themselves in a spot where Grayson Rodriguez has to start, and not only start, but maybe be the two or the three in this rotation through the playoffs. That's a bad job. I don't put that on Mike Elias. I put that on the ownership. I think Mike Elias wanted to do more, and that owner, John Angelos, would not let him do more. All they did is they got Jack Flaherty to help that rotation. I think that was shameful. 
So you have a spot now where Grayson Rodriguez is blowing past his career high. He has been great lately. How long can he continue to do it? Dean Kramer's been solid. 12-5 and on the year. A high ERA at 407, but... Over his last seven starts, he's at 254. So that's solid too. He is at 154 innings, 20 over his career high. How much longer can he go? Now, as you are building pitchers up year over year and you start thinking about who can pitch what, how many innings, 20 to 30 over year over year is a is a is a reasonable number. So Kramer's fine now, but will Kramer be fine if the Orioles are throwing him out there? They need him to start two games in the ALCS, and then they get over that, and then they need him to start two games in the World Series. I don't know if Kramer's still going to have the same arm that he has had through this season. Now, maybe the Orioles have a little bit of hope because John Means is coming back. He is starting on Tuesday. Six minor league games as a rehab Stint to a double A, three at triple A, and at triple A, he had a two five one ERA. Can he give them a lift? That would be huge if John Means can come back and be an effective pitcher. That would be a great boost for this rotation because then maybe you could have Grayson Rodriguez be a high leverage reliever, similar how the Dodgers used Julio Arias in postseasons in the past. We'll see what the Orioles do, but they're definitely in an interesting spot when it comes to that pitching. They're also in an interesting spot with the rookie of the year in the American League. It seemed like it was going to be Gunnar Henderson's, and then that's it. But Tristan Cassis offensively has caught Gunnar Henderson and passed him in some areas. OPS, he's higher. WRC Plus, he's higher. If he can create a large enough gap with those numbers, with his offensive numbers, with his counting stats, he might make up for the fact that Gunner is playing, obviously, a far more premium position in the field. Gunner's at shortstop. Cassis is at first base. I get it. You give it to the shortstop if the numbers are even statistically offensively. But if you get to a point where Cassis is getting too far ahead, Cassis can get up to a 900 OPS and Gunner's OPS comes down to 800. And that WRC plus gaps even more than it is right now. Right now, it's a nine point gap. If that becomes an 18 or 25 point gap, and let's say Cassis gets hot, goes on a heater, even more of a heater, gets to 30 home runs, and Gunner's got 25? I don't know. Maybe you start making the case that Cassis should get it, because even though Gunner plays a more premium position, Tristan Cassis was was clearly the better offensive player. That'll be something we'll have to watch. It'll be fun to watch that one. And the number one team is the Atlanta Braves. 93-49, and 49, a 3-3 three three week. They got sort of jumped by the St. Louis Cardinals early in the week. They lost two out of three there. Then against Pittsburgh, they were able to take two out of three. This week they were, or not this week, but over the weekend, they were the first to clinch a playoff spot with those 93 victories. Good news for the Braves. They need more good news. You got Kyle Wright looking like he is going to be back by the time you listen to that. I think that will already be uh, clarified. But as of recording, there is word that Kyle Wright could be back to start the second game of the Monday doubleheader. You bring him back and you work him into a rotation with Elder Strider, Morton, and Freed. That rotation, if you add Kyle Wright, that fifth day, because that fifth spot, they've really been struggling to figure out. Dodd, Schuster, Soroka, uh, Winans. It's kind of just... 
They've, they've been trying to get that final spot figured out. They have not been able to. You get right back now and you get him on track for the postseason. That's great. You don't need a five-man rotation heading into the postseason. So you're going to be able to maybe add another guy into that bullpen. You will have no tax on that rotation if you've got a, a, a full, healthy five guys. So this Braves team, the pitching is getting stronger at the right time. We talk about the Dodgers. Their pitching is getting weaker at the wrong time. The Atlanta Braves pitching is getting stronger at just the right time. And on top of it, the bats aren't cooling off anytime soon. This past week, Olsen, Rosario, Acuna, Harris, all hitting the ball well. Olsen's up to 48 homers and 121 RBI. Acuna's up to 35 home runs and 64 steals. The 30-70's in the bag. There's a chance of a 40-70. Maybe even if things get completely crazy and go haywire, we could get a 40-80. I was in the live stream and I, I, I started to get the question posed to me, but are we going to care? Are we going to give it the same weight? Because the bases are bigger. You can't do the pickoffs. The game has changed. Is it almost like we have juiced stolen bases and the 80 steals from Acuna won't have will not have the same weight or the same meaning? It's a very interesting conversation. It's a very interesting thought that I have just started to take on. As again, it was posed to me 15 minutes ago in the live stream. But it is interesting. It is something that maybe you have already started to think about in your mind, too. That, yeah, okay. 64 steals, but whatever. Like the bases are bigger and and, and and you can't pick off as much. Like, I don't care what he's doing right now. I still envision him as the, the base stealing threat that he would I would look at his numbers in the past. That's what he is. This 64, this 70, whatever it is, this number's juiced. Something interesting. Something interesting to consider. And if you want to do that, if you want to go down that road, are you taking away Cody Bellinger's 2020? Because that happened. This week as well, Cody Bellinger stole his 20th base. So now you got 20 homers and 20 steals with Cody Bellinger. Does that not matter? Because again, the stolen base numbers are juiced. All some interesting, uh, interesting food for thought there. But we got the Braves in at number one. And again, with Kyle Wright coming back, maybe getting stronger. All right, guys, that is the power rankings for this week. I do appreciate you coming in. Stay close to the podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Turn on the automatic downloads. We have two episodes coming up this week that I'm excited for you to get your hands on. So again, make sure those automatic downloads are turned on. So that way, when the content is posted to the feed, you have it right away. This has been Power Rankings on September 11th, 2023 on the Barreled Up Podcast. I do appreciate you coming in and lending me your ears and your time. Thank you for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you next time. 